0: Hello, welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves.
1: Yes, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I am Ross Blotcher.
0: And I'm Carrie Poppy, and you're here for election coverage,
1: 2020. Maybe mine was like a beacon or something. Like I picture a little lone radio tower.
0: Yeah, yeah, Morse
2: code. Yeah, something in Morse. That's
1: relevant to 2020.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: So this is an episode where we'll unleash all of our various thoughts swimming in our heads around this 2020 election that is not just coming up, it's happening right now. People are voting. Yeah. Votes have been cast.
0: So we talked about what we could do to contribute to, you know, it just seems like no one's talking about politics right now and like somebody (laughs) should.
1: I just assume that most people kind of like me just get swept up into this. I spend so much of my time. Refreshing reading articles. We'll talk about our current moment. But, you know, today is the day that Trump just left Walter Reed Hospital. He's still sick with COVID virus. And he went back to the White House.
0: By the time you hear this, I'm sure even that is outdated.
1: And there will be bigger controversies. Well, we'll get to that. But, you know, we talk about a lot of things on the show. Like we said in our intro, we talk about pseudoscience. We talk about high-pressure groups. We talk about all of these things that have to do with various elements of unreason, bad thinking, and the effects that it has, and how dangerous it is, and how pocket training, it is and <laughs> how creepy it is. And I think a lot of those come together and play out in the person of Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, oh, so you're going to argue in this episode that we should not vote for Donald Trump.
1: Spoiler alert. Yeah, hot okay. take.
0: Okay. Hot take
1: I actually think he should not be voted for. Whoa.
0: I know. Total news well, to me.
1: hear me out. Anyways, the idea is I think a lot of these things that we talk about on the show do – go into the world of politics in a way that is relevant because a lot of the high-pressure tactics Mm kind of play out in the Trump administration and in how he has sold himself to voters. But also there are many elements of pseudoscience as well that are kind of tied into the platform that he's created.
0: And much like religion, politics is an area that we've sort of sectioned off as like impolite to speak about and sort of – You're allowed to have values and interests and priorities, but as soon as those have specific consequences for how you should vote, you should shut up about them. And as uncomfortable as I find it to argue with my friends and family Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. um, I think this is a really important time to really say what we we think, Ross and Carrie. Yeah,
1: what we believe and where we're at. And I think the religion analogy is apt because – I don't see it any different in how you handle that in your conversations with others. Do it respectfully. Try to find common ground and work from there. Express to them first that you care about them as a person and make sure that that is the basis of the conversation. Not trying to win points immediately.
0: Take what they're saying as seriously as you want them to take what you're saying.
1: As I'm saying this, I can picture times that I've fallen short totally. of that ideal. But
0: I th- haven't, but totally I've seen you
1: but in the same way, you know, I think it's great to talk about religion in a way that is impassioned as long as everybody is up for the discussion and you have a good sense of the other person's comfort level and are willing to adapt and respond to that. I would say the same for politics. Mm-hmm. The only way we ever move anywhere is by staying open-minded and having conversations like that with people who don't agree with us 100%.
0: One really nice thing about podcasts and books and essays and the like is that you can say to someone like, I'd really love it if you listened to this. I would Mm -hmm. really love it if you read this. But you're also giving them sort of the space to absorb and think about it, not feel put on the spot, ask you – their questions when they're ready to and so on. So I hope this episode will serve a few purposes. One is if you are already kind of in agreement with us, Trump's not a good president, that this will be something that you can share with someone you love who maybe shares your values of truth and science and expertise. but
1: And the American way.
0: And the American way. But this is like an area where they voted for Trump and maybe they're digging in their heels or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, that hopefully this will be a respectful thing you can share with them. And if you're one of our listeners who voted for Trump and maybe is thinking about voting for him again? We know you're out there. Few of us wrote into us, and
1: you're welcome here. Yeah, a lot of people who wrote us said I voted for him. I won't vote for him I again. Won't again, yeah. Okay, well, great. Cool. That's cool. awesome.
0: That's even better. <laughs> I really respect that kind of person because although I do believe there is an objective truth about Donald Trump, I think he is a liar. I think he is against evidence. I think he is against science. I also think that's very easy for me to spot when I happen to be on the opposite end of the political spectrum. Whoa, hot that take. makes my job much easier. Carrie,
1: you don't think he's for science?
0: I don't. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> fooling you before. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I have some acting training, so.
1: I'm gonna put my head right back where it was at the beginning. <laughs> um, that's another important thing, too. I, I think a lot of the divide in our society and why a lot of people, I think get sort of painted into a corner with Trump Is that they don't feel they can leave that corner because now they've had all these confrontations and saying they were wrong when all these horrible things happen, when Trump does something that they objectively realize that's not right. Mm -hmm. But when they're faced with having to kind of come out of that corner and say, all right, you were right, Carrie, I should have listened to you. You know, that's not an easy thing for people to do. That's an uncomfortable Uh thing position to be put in
0: especially if they suspect that you're going to be like lorded over them took you so long exactly (laughs) if they've seen you do that with someone else
1: you need to give people that space of grace to let them move
0: Ooh, the space of grace space of grace that's a good i'm
1: buying the domain name
0: christian album yeah totally
1: (laughs) i can hear it's a four-woman group
0: Oh, Space I think now grace. you're just thinking of Point of Grace, but...
1: Yeah, mixed with Ace of Base.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, nice, nice, <laughs> nice, I saw the sun. He opened up my eyes. I saw the sun.
1: <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah,
0: pointing at the sky where Jesus uh, is. Oh,
1: Point of Grace. I remember them.
0: But also, hi, the rest of the world. <laughs> I'm sorry we are talking about this, but I'm also... You're welcome. Not sorry. Yeah, also, you're welcome because A... We don't want to screw up the world any more than we already are. We know that U.S. politics affect you, too, so we're doing our part. But also, we'll try to get it all out in this episode so it doesn't just trickle out.
1: Mostly. And uh, it's a little bit of catharsis for us, perhaps, and hopefully for you, if you're already kind of on the same wavelength. But I think we can address this topic Sort of from a Ross and Kerry viewpoint and maybe bring in those comparisons with other religious groups and alternative medical treatments and other forms of pseudoscience we've talked about.
0: Okay, so first off, Ross, before we get to Trump or Biden, who's the other major party (laughs) candidate whose name we haven't even mentioned, you might be thinking, should I vote at all?
1: Yeah, I've wondered that. Should I? And I've arrived at yes.
0: Interesting. I've arrived at... I don't know. I should probably read this 40-page book
1: <laughs> from
0: the Seventh-day Adventists.
1: Is this our friend at Amazing Facts? Yes,
0: it is. Oh, look.
1: Carrie's got a small book. It fits in her hand. Mm-hmm. One hand.
0: Yeah, I love this. Amazing Facts is a group that we investigated a few years ago now. 2017? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2017.
1: early 2017, because that's when I became vegetarian.
0: Ah, oh, nice. Spoiler, I found them very boring. But we went to their seminar that was basically about the end of the world.
1: Right. And was originally pitched as, I don't know, like 10 lectures, but it ended up being like 25 lectures. Oh my
0: goodness. It was so it was long. Never ending. And Amazing Facts is run by this guy named Doug Bachelor, sort of the primary pastor there. And is he married? Oh, good question. Yes, he is. Hmm. False advertising. Although Bachelor does have a T in it. B-A-T-C. Oh, okay. So we're Okay. But oh my god, I would love a season of The Bachelor that's just about Doug Bachelor. <laughs> the Bachelor.
1: <laughs> oh, I want that show now. I'd actually watch that one. I
0: want that shirt now. It's like got You're the on Roses an island. and stuff, but it's just got Doug Bachelor in the middle.
1: It's an island with a cave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so Doug Bachelor. He's a kook, man. What Ross is alluding to is that he claims that he lived in a cave for a couple of years, but the story about it is loopy and questionable.
1: So you can listen to those episodes if you want to hear the whole thing.
0: But he also writes all these books, and they call them books.
1: Yeah, we still get their emails. I get constant fundraising requests from Doug.
0: But they're basically standalone essays. Mm -hmm. Which, you know what, good on him. So many people would be like... You know, what, I think I can turn this into a whole book. I'm yeah, just let's gonna expand fill out 100 it. Three hundred
1: pages, pages. Yep. right?
0: But he just knows when to stop. Oh, good. You know that's interesting. He knows when to stop. Amazing Facts does not. But anyway, I got this email from Amazing Facts titled "Is This the End of the World?"
1: Oh, I mean, no,
0: no, maybe. But also, if it turns out to be, we'll claim. That we always meant yes.
1: But we won't be able to claim it to anyone because it's the end of the world now.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true.
1: There's nothing Carrie and I love more than an open-ended rhetorical question Mm -hmm. because then we just immediately imagine, oh, what would this article be like if they actually said no?
0: (laughs) Right. I remember giving my dad a book called Could the Great Depression Happen Again? When I was a kid. And he uh, he was like, you know, Carrie, when you see a question like this, you can always guess that the answer is yes. <laughs> okay, so in this email, there was also an ad for this 32-page book mm. called Should a Christian Vote?
1: Oh, yeah, good on you, Carrie. I filed that one away, and you bought the book.
0: Oh, I immediately bought the book. And while I was on the website, I was like, You know what? Give me that one about cosmetics. And jewelry. And this one about culture and the Christian... Because these are
1: like two bucks a piece, right?
0: $1.25. Oh,
1: I need to buy some.
0: Yeah, very affordable reading. So it came to me, I read this whole thing, Ross, and...
1: Wow, okay, what did it say? Should a Christian (laughs) vote, Carrie?
0: (laughs) Well, do you want to guess? I'm
1: going to go on a limb here and say yes.
0: The answer is yes, but it's interesting... For a few pages, I was like, why are we talking about this? Who's arguing that a Christian shouldn't vote? But Mm. you could feel that undercurrent of like, someone's, I guess, saying this because you seem to be pushing back at something.
1: My immediate thought is this is their clever way to soft shoe around making a political statement without making a political statement as a nonprofit organization. Oh,
0: interesting. So like... Supporting a particular candidate, you mean? Yes. Interesting. Okay, we'll get there too. But- what I came to understand partly through reading this and then doing some outside research is that the Seventh day Adventists have, for a long time, had segments of their population who say, No, we're not supposed to vote.
1: Oh, okay. I guess that is then an open question.
0: So the way that got into their particular community. Oh, because
1: oh. I know they do have an injunction against taking oaths. Is that yeah, connected? I think that's
0: right. Uh, no. Well, as far as I know, no.
1: That's why they're <laughs> often know, no. conscientious objectors
0: um Mm -hmm. when it comes
1: to military service right but i hadn't thought about that in relation to voting okay
0: yeah so ellen white who's one of their prophets at one point said something that does on its face make it sound like she's saying don't vote so she said we cannot with safety vote for political parties for we do not know whom we are voting for we cannot with safety take part in any political schemes and so some people took this to mean we're supposed to be a political
1: safety first Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think he's actually right about this when you put it in the context of the original speech she was giving and speeches she gave pretty soon after, Mm. it becomes clear that she was making more of an argument like, you shouldn't just vote party line. You should look at each issue.
1: And I'm with her on that.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Uh, How do I sign up for this religion?
0: You just eat potato salad and you're part of it.
1: Hey, okay.
0: <laughs> That's a reference to that. It's
1: Ukrainian. Yeah. Long story.
0: So he makes this argument that no, you know, there are moral prerogatives for which we should vote. And sure, you want to look at each issue independently and not just fall in line with the political party. At the end of this, we'll get to the fact that everyone's political donations are public information.
1: Uh, yes. We'll see if Doug Batchelor has any uh That's always fun to check.
0: So the book starts with them telling us about William Henry Harrison for the non-American. William Henry Harrison was, at the time, maybe our-
1: Was he our ninth president?
0: Uh, oh, good question. Yep, ninth. Well done. Thank you. But at the time, he was used as this example of just pure hubris because when he got elected, he was like, they have to have a parade for me and I'm going to go out and I'm not even going to wear a coat. And everyone was like, wear a coat. William, wear a fucking coat. That's right.
1: He wasn't our ninth president for long.
0: Right. So then he goes out like on a horse. They were like, be in the carriage. It's really cold. No, I must be on my own horse. And so he's like doing all the stuff. And anyway, he dies a month later. Spoiler. Now, of course, this was written few months ago, probably. So this is presented as like presidents used to do just the silliest stuff. Look at the hubris of William Henry Harrison. Uh, But this arrived to me and I read it days before Donald Trump uh was diagnosed with coronavirus. Uh And it was revealed that he had a bunch of events anyway. Yes. And probably got a bunch of people deathly ill. Great. So listen, Ross, Christians have dual citizenship. They're primarily citizens of...
1: The kingdom of God. That's right. Hey, I remember. (laughs) I went to Sunday school.
0: But voting is in fact biblical. Moses told the Israelis to vote. The book of Acts depicts voting among the apostles. I think I more Uh, or less buy this.
1: Okay, that they participated in the civic government duties. Right. They gave to Caesar what was Caesar's.
0: Uh, also called paying taxes.
1: Oh, should you actually pay your fair taxes? You probably
0: should pay your taxes. Ah, huh, interesting. That's just a theory. I wonder I have. if that'll come up. So again, Doug Batchelor. At the time of this writing in 2020, we are in the United States in the throes of another intense and at times dangerously inflammatory political season. Please remember that this is in no way an endorsement for any party or person.
1: Okay, very scrupulous.
0: The book will focus on some primary principles about how we should relate to the government. Particular in, in the area of exercising a right to vote. So then he tells us about the Seventh-day Adventists, how there's kind of a history of disagreement about whether they should vote, hmm. and, you know, makes his, I think, very fair point that, no, I think in the original writings, Ellen White was totally for voting, and, in fact, she was a big part of the temperance movement. So she was very much in favor of voting when— alcohol was on the ballot.
1: When she was a issues voter for that yes. particular issue. I'm just thinking about this split between Seventh-day Adventists and how difficult it would be to adjudicate when you can't take a vote.
0: Touche. Touche.
1: It reminds me of the uh, Mitch Hedberg <laughs> joke. I, I really don't like protests, but I don't know how to express it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody write your name on your pencil. Okay. So she also had one quote where she said, keep your voting to yourself, which to the batch and to me sounds like... You're assuming I do vote, but again, some people took that to mean like don't vote somehow.
1: Oh, weird! I yeah. see that as kind of a corollary of the biblical injunction against praying ostentatiously. Exactly. You know, find Find a quiet place, you know, where people cannot see you and pray right. there. Right.
0: Exactly. That's how I take it too. And similar to what you're saying, the batch goes on. That's what I call them. I'm yeah. Private. Sure. Don't feel it's your duty to urge everyone to vote as you do. Not taking this advice. Each of us has free choice and must contend with his or her own conscience. Yes. Yes. Then he says that the Seventh-day Adventists are like full of various political parties. Everybody has difference of opinions, but you need to tread lightly because when you come together as Christians, you don't want to be divided by political barriers. Okay. But here's his suggestion, which I just love. If someone says to you, I'm convinced about this political view, or I'm voting this way, you can respond. Praise God we're in America, and we're free to make those choices. Oh, God. I would be so irritated. (laughs) Oh, that's so obnoxious. Oh, my God. If anybody comments on this episode and says, well, praise God we're in America, I wish show my (laughs) head.
1: Now you've planted the idea.
0: (laughs) I will be... Show mad, but also I will laugh. So then he says there are also moral issues that we should vote about. It's important for Christians to take responsibility and vote for the principles we support. Okay, I'll buy yeah. that. He says we're still a predominantly religious country. 70% of Americans still claim Christianity as their religion. Fine. Yet if Christians don't represent their values in the government, then to some degree they're gonna get what they deserve.
1: Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I was looking at a chart recently that showed representation in our representatives, mm, uh, mm-hmm. looking at Congress as a whole.
0: representation, yeah. Yeah.
1: Broken down between parties. Have you seen this graphic? If not, I'll pull um, it up and show it to you.
0: I feel like I have. Ross is typing, typing, finding it. I feel like someone told me about it, okay. but that I didn't see it. Right. Women are very underrepresented, as I recall, it was one of the main takeaways. Here we go. Especially on the side of the right. Okay, U.S. population.
1: So it shows kind of the breakdown by religion and by the male-female split. They don't mention a non-gender binary option. Yeah. But looking at our representatives, for the Republican side, it's almost all Protestant white men. Yeah, And then there's a yep. g- good chunk of Catholic men. Mm -hmm. And then just everything else is like tiny, barely existent. And then on the Democratic side, the religious spread actually looks pretty close to the general population. Yeah. More Jewish than you would find in the general population.
0: Except... I see one notable exception. What's that? The religiously unaffiliated are right. not represented it, anywhere.
1: Yes, that is a big area. So in the general public, you have a good chunk of the population. Like a good 15 to 20 percent. Yeah, maybe, it
0: looks like a good fifth of this pie chart.
1: That's unaffiliated. But then amongst the elected representatives, very few people who are unaffiliated.
0: Self-identify as such. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, as you noted, the Democratic Party is closer to parity when it comes to men and women, but still not quite the half-and-half split that we see in the general population.
0: Yeah, it looks like a, like about 66% male.
1: So this is also, I think, a good argument for people of conscience and no particular faith to get involved in politics. Yeah. Uh, because we're not particularly represented.
0: Oh. Touché.
1: In the halls of government.
0: And the ladies and...
1: And the church puts a lot of stock and strategically, wisely so, in representation. They're always promoting, you know, get yourself on the school boards, get involved in local politics. That's why they get so much representation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Also because we have a...
0: And because there's a lot of them.
1: Right. And also there are certain quirks of, you know, like the Senate having two senators from each state regardless of the population. So, you know, Wyoming has way higher representation than California in that particular uh, mode of government. Anyways, I digress.
0: (laughs) I liked your digression. So uh, this is one of my favorite quotes from the book. Now this, again, I got this book slightly before the New York Times reporting on how Trump has basically not paid taxes for... last several years. But last year paid $750 to the federal government.
1: One week ago, that was the biggest controversy. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. in any other administration, that would be for months all we could talk about.
0: Potential resignation fodder. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So the year he was elected, 2016, and the year he took president, 2017, he paid $750 in income taxes. To the U.S. government. And out of 10 of the previous 15 years, he paid zero. Awful. Yeah.
0: Awful. So then I get this little booklet, Should a Christian Vote? <laughs> and a quote in it is, We should be faithful to fulfill our civic duties, whether it's taxes or whether it's sharing in our neighborhood association, what materials should be used on the roofs of our houses. Okay. Okay. The roofs of our houses thing just seems like a very random example. Yeah, I mean, on your front
1: lawn, I've seen signs there. If you're putting stuff on the roof of your house, (laughs) you might be a little too gung-ho.
0: Yeah, I think he's saying when your HOA agrees on the building materials. But he specifically says whether it's taxes or. So we should be faithful to fulfill our civic duties, including taxes.
1: Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha.
0: And then shortly thereafter... It was revealed that Trump is not doing that.
1: Right. (laughs) Do as he says, not as he
0: does. (laughs) Right.
1: And, of course, he spends this as him just being clever that he overworked the system. But there's two options. Either you are not successful at your business or you are a liar and a tax fraud. Right. And not just a tax cheat, but a tax fraud. Right. It's illegal.
0: Yeah. And if everybody paid that fraction of their income everything would fall apart. Absolutely. Everything he believes in, even. Yep. Which is very little. Okay, so in 1865, Ellen White signed a resolution that indicated Seventh-day Adventists should vote against any politician who strengthens the cause of such crimes as intemperance, alcohol, Mm -hmm. insurrection. Okay. Being a hot temper.
1: Yeah, (laughs) neither of these are real big issues right now.
0: And slavery.
1: Okay. Also, thankfully, not... On the voting block.
0: Yeah, mostly. I guess there's some states deciding whether to give voting rights to felons and mm-hmm. prison work is a complicated thing. But so anyway, again, making the case that like there are things that it's worth voting over. I'm like, yeah, Doug, agree, agree.
1: But you're not the intended audience. So. You're right,
0: you're right. Okay, here's my favorite peek into Doug Bachelor's personal history. Okay. Over 40 years ago, I built my first house in California. I was 19 years old, and I had to choose between using wooden blocks or concrete for the foundation. I decided to use oak blocks, certain that Jesus would come before it rotted.
1: <laughs>
0: well, they rotted long ago. Oh, wow. And the house began to list? What does that mean? Oh, Tilt? like
1: Normally you hear that about like a ship, but yeah, just okay. leaning.
0: Oh, we've been to a leaning house.
1: That's not a house listing that you want to see.
0: Right, exactly. We finally burned it down. Have you ever thought that Jesus would have come before now? <laughs> Don't use oak blocks in your planning.
1: The foolish man built his house on the oak block. Matthew 724.
0: Nice. Uh, you know, bless him. He's making the case that like you actually should care about things mm-hmm. that have long standing consequences, good. even though Jesus might interrupt this whole plan and come back.
1: I'm with you, Dougie.
0: Yeah, it's good. Um, You call
1: him Batch. I call him Dougie. That's
0: that's fair. I'm more of like his bro, you know. Mm -hmm. So I call him the Batch. But like Dougie's fine, I guess. Like you're not (laughs) like. So you guys aren't that close.
1: We're pretty close.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) We're, We're Dougie level. J E I. He points out that presidents get to appoint Supreme Court justices. Correct. Uh, Again, (laughs) he writes this like just before (laughs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies. And he says, and we all see what happened in recent years to the institution of marriage because of the vote of one judge, the legal (laughs) definition of marriage was changed. So he's getting in these little hints about like the way you should vote. His
1: stance, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's still bellyaching about equal marriage rights for gay people.
0: That. Presumably he doesn't want them. And then he says, and there are other issues on the ballot that should be of concern to Christians. For example, there are some in government who are pushing for an extreme separation of church and state. Some are saying that since the FCC, which is part of the government, controls radio and TV stations, Christians should not be permitted to own radio and TV stations. Who's saying that? This idea is being pushed by... Some in American government. Oh,
1: naming the invisible army, are we, Dougie?
0: And could greatly affect the proclamation of the gospel. So look this up. So in 1975, oh, 45 years ago, ah. there was one petition to the FCC. And it wasn't even that Christians couldn't own radio and TV stations, which would be absurd. Like, you shouldn't be able to have an officially Christian Radio or TV station if it's under FCC regulation.
1: Okay. So this is like the war on Christmas.
0: Yeah. And immediately in 1975, the FCC was like, nah.
1: That is so like amazing facts though. Like just like they do with some obscure fact about at one point somebody referred to the pope as vicarius filii dei or something like that and we're going to turn that into roman numerals and add it up and now it's the mark of the beast. Like oh, right. that's not a thing. <laughs> it was a thing once in 1914 and now you've held on to it forever.
0: Right, and you can do the same thing with the name Ellen White, for example. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I did write to Amazing Facts and said, like, I just don't want to get this wrong. Is someone else pushing for this? Because I could only find 1975. Mm-hmm. Haven't replied yet. Oh, okay. okay. You know what? This is maybe one of my favorite points the Batchy, as I call him, Batchy, has ever made. Okay. So, he points out that not voting, of course, is a form of voting. You're still influencing the outcome through your inaction. Yes. And then he says, Jesus actually made this clear. And I was like, I thought for sure he was going to pull out something kind of bullshitty. Yeah. But then he made like an excellent point I've never heard anyone make. Okay. So, he said when Jesus is talking about the parables of the goats and the sheep, Mm -hmm. that He only talks about sins of omission, for I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drinks. There are opportunities to do good that you didn't take, rather than sins of commission, things you decided to do. Like, you slapped me,
1: You, you kicked me.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so, you know, it's like, voting is along the same line. When you choose not to vote, you are... Depart
1: from me. I never knew you.
0: <laughs> right. I will spit you out of my mouth. I know. I thought that was an excellent <laughs>
1: that, point for I the like old bachy. I like it. Well done, Dougie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then near the end, he closes out by telling us that democracy equalizes us. The millionaire and the poor man each get one vote. That says something about the equality of every human. Of course, at its best, democracy is like that. Our current democracy is not exactly like that with <laughs> voter disenfranchisement and mm-hmm. – felons not being able to vote, and super PACs and Citizens United.
1: uh, If you're interested in more about that, I read Stacey Abrams' book, Our Time Is Now. Mm -hmm. And she is just such an expert on the voting system, and particularly the Georgia voting system. She ran for governor in that state and lost to Matt Kemp. But she outlines just, there's just like dozens of, they're clever, clever ways that it's the Republican Party. The Republican Party puts little barriers to entry, little hoops to jump through. Mm -hmm. And it takes the form of closing voting centers just days before the election or days Mm -hmm. before they're going to open or making it hard for people to access, putting a polling place somewhere where public transportation won't get you. Mm -hmm. It's just something Mm -hmm. to make it a little harder for the people who aren't of high socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. or it'll be something like in that state, they had the exact match system. And so if your name was spelled ever so slightly wrong, maybe there was a clerical error. Maybe you have an apostrophe in your name. Mm. Not too common for white folks.
0: Your real name is Trump.
1: Like If they can find any little disparity in how it's spelled or presented, then they'll just throw out your ballot. Or, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, with people who are on parole or who are released from prison, they've served their time, but they can't vote in certain states. Just all of these tiny little ways, but every single one of those hoops that you put in the way disenfranchises voters in the tens of thousands, usually. Mm -hmm. And they just add up and add up to the point where people who really want to vote and be involved end up getting frustrated, pushed out of the system. It's awful.
0: Even without all that, you've got the Electoral College Turning many votes into Mm -hmm. one vote.
1: And redistricting, let's say you have one large area that is 60% Democrat. Well, then they cut that up and now you've got one small area that's completely Democrat and two other areas of similar size that are predominantly Republican. Now you've got two Republican votes and one Mm -hmm, Democratic mm -hmm, vote instead mm -hmm. of just one Democratic vote. All kinds of just sneaky little things like that. Yeah. It's awful. It's maddening.
0: Well... You should vote. Is yes. is what he concludes. How do you fix this? You vote. Doug Batchelor isn't going to tell you which candidate to vote for, as we established, mm-hmm. and take each issue on its own. Now, according to Open Secrets, Doug Batchelor has given about ten thousand dollars. Oh, wow. Two political candidates since 2002. Would you like to guess the Republican-Democrat spread?
1: I'm going to guess 100% Republican. That's correct. Okay. But Ellen White said don't vote for just one party.
0: You know, I kept arguing with myself, is this a fair point? Because I don't think I've donated to any Republicans. Yeah,
1: yeah. I won't hold that part against him too much if he does have specific issues that he's voting by. Mm -hmm. If you look us up, you'll see how we've donated.
0: You know, I looked myself up. Nothing came up.
1: A lot came up when I looked for you.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sweet. weird.
1: I can't remember who I was trying to look up, but I thought, wait, why am I not getting anything? Let's try some people who I think would donate. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Carrie, Carrie's my friend who actually puts uh, out uh, <laughs> okay. money for political. Oh,
0: how much have I donated? Does it say?
1: Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I I remember they show individual donations. That's right.
0: weird. Yeah, maybe I was looking in the wrong place. I don't know. On the other hand... I would not be couching my argument in this sort of milk toast language about what I meant. I would tell you what I meant.
1: Unless you were working for a church and you were on their statement and you're trying to be yeah. all neutral so you don't get in trouble.
0: But you can. It can't be a significant part of your activities. But you can say, I think you should vote for Trump. Okay. That's how the Mormons got around it with Prop 8. Anyway, also this book, The Art, is by Daniel Hudgens. He has also given exclusively to Republican candidates. The other donations listed for him are super PACs with mostly Republican leanings.
1: Okay, I'm handing Carrie my laptop so she can see her political donations.
0: Okay. Is it at Open Secrets? No. Oh, you're at FCC. FEC. Okay. Boy, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Whoa.
1: You've been busy. Ah, Good on you.
0: I'm a good person. (laughs) One to 30 of 72 entries.
1: And this is another way that you can help out is by contributing to candidates and causes that you care about. Yeah. If you care about voting access for everybody, you can give to groups that defend voters' rights.
0: I'm sorry. I'm just distracted by what a fucking good person I am. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, a lot of these are in 2020. But you know what? My most recent Joe Biden donations are not on there. Oh, really? Yeah. I wonder if
1: there's a little while before they post.
0: There must be, because I sold some Biden is fine shirts that I designed and made $1,300.
1: Well, they have a reporting deadline, so probably whenever they hit that reporting deadline. yeah. Or whenever they choose to report.
0: And I made $1,300, and then just coincidentally... I immediately made a $1,300 donation to Joseph R. Biden.
1: Nice. Well done. Thank you. Fantastic.
0: Okay. So in conclusion, yes, you should vote.
1: Speaking of Doug Batchelor, I would bring along this mailer that they sent me, America and Bible Prophecy. First of all, it's got our friend Dougie, and he's written the little intro to this. And it's just so everything we've come to expect from that series that we attended. Mm -hmm. Uh, These highly photoshopped layouts Mm -hmm. with lightning bolts and an American flag, Boldly and patriotically fluttering in the wind with an eagle flying in front. The eagle is carrying an
0: hourglass, a, an
1: hourglass that it's is almost, almost out of time. Out. And the Statue of Liberty is in the background. In I don't know, it feels like in a Roland Emmerich film, like uh, Independence Day or something. Like something bad is about to happen to the uh, Statue of Liberty, but yeah. it's back there. We've got amber waves of grain down below and
2: Bison. buffalo,
1: yeah, uh, in front of them. In the foreground, there's a scroll. And there's a inkwell with a feathered
0: yeah, quill, quill
1: sticking quill out of it. Yeah.
0: Also, I just love to picture this. This is my favorite little mental trick. There's you know how so some much. people picture people naked to make them less nervous? Yeah. It's sort of like that. It's an immediate tick I have. I look at this and I think. Our original bird was supposed to be the turkey, and then I replaced, <laughs> I replaced that eagle with a turkey carrying an hourglass, and it's just so much sillier.
1: Benjamin Franklin would approve. Exactly. I think he was on the turkey side. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, the subtitle is, The Future of Earth's Last Superpower Revealed... And yeah, the American Bible prophecy is big and it's extruded letters with oh. like gradients and the fonts and oh it's just also fancy. At me. Someone knows how to Photoshop. Yeah, we come in here and we've got
0: Wait, is it Daniel Hudgens who did the art?
1: What is that? Who Daniel did...
0: Hudgens did the art for Should a Christian vote. Okay. But it's a little simpler than what you got there. So maybe not.
1: Oh wait. Art design and layout by Haley Trimmer. Oh. There we go. So that's why it's all a trimmer right. design. Okay. But yes, this is Amazing Facts. Big hullabaloo. They've got an event coming up. They sent us both invitations yes. to it. Another End Times Prophecy Seminar, which I'm guessing is going to be almost identical to the one we attended, but slightly updated probably.
0: Right, right. I'm
1: sure they're tweaking it all We're the time.
0: just that much closer to the end of the world.
1: But how freaky is this? Like you open it up and oh, there's
0: yeah. a, a
1: quote from Revelation and yeah. there's a little lamb, but it's all dark and shadowy and it's got glowing white eyes
0: goodness yeah
1: with again lightning behind it
0: goodness
1: take it easy Haley trimmer but there's also various artwork by steve kreitz
0: so uh, hey steve
1: then we get into god bless america and it talks about wait no
0: god blessed Oh, past
1: tense. Good distinction there. I feel like I'm reading a children's book here. And now we have. (laughs) uh,
0: Ross is holding it open for me to read along with him. We've
1: got Revolutionary Soldiers in the background. There's the uh, Capitol and it's burning. It's got little flames composited on top of it. Oh, and the flag is kind of falling apart here. Anyways, it tells us how we've only really been attacked once, but this could happen again. Uh, Then we get on the next page, the beast from the sea. Oh,
0: not this again.
1: Oh, yeah, and it's all the Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 prophecy. Got this weird fat, it's like the body of a bear (laughs) with the spots of a jaguar, and then they've just added a bunch of... Heads of different creatures.
0: But not even convincingly coming out of the body of the bear.
1: No. Then they're talking about all their symbolism. We, we got into great detail on that in our lecture. And then it goes into the 10 characteristics of the papacy mm-hmm. and how we know that the Pope is the Antichrist.
0: Oh, yeah. And the Beast. Um, Okay, so that's a little bit of a bomb drop for those who didn't join us for Amazing Facts. We had to work hard for that. Yeah, yeah. First Uh, time around. If you grew up in evangelical Christianity, this won't be news to you. But according to Amazing Facts, the Pope and—well, the Vatican at large are the Antichrist.
1: Which I was bummed about because usually it's fun to hear who they speculate as the Antichrist and usually it's Obama or Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan or whoever you know, Mikhail Gorbachev. Those were the people they talked about when I was a kid. They're always updating it with whoever the current Antichrist is yeah. and then that person gets deposed or dies and then they're like oh it's actually so and so. Forget we said that whole thing.
0: I've done this once before but it was years ago. I'm going to look up Trump is the Antichrist and see if there are serious Christians oh, yeah. taking up that mantle.
1: I know I've searched for that before. I found the really a good site, actually, that made some arguments for why he could be the Antichrist.
0: Oh, I see that there was a book in 2016 making this argument. Lawrence Molhauser, is Trump the Antichrist?
1: <laughs> Again, this rhetorical <laughs> question with right. only one answer. Yeah, so many, many different Christian sects and groups. Uh, Carrie's getting excited with whatever she's reading. Her mouth is open. Oh,
0: I'm so sorry. September 18th, 2020, reporting from Vanity Fair, ex aid our vice president, Mike Pence, ex-Pence aide says she'll vote for Biden because Trump is the Antichrist. All
1: right. Well, (laughs) you can be right for the wrong reason. (laughs) Anyways, uh, it's been very common throughout history to uh, direct all of your hatred at the Catholic Church and the Pope. And uh, that has stuck around in the Seventh-day Adventist circles. But it's so funny. They bend over backwards to uh, Fulfill the prophecies from the Bible and say, right. Oh, it said there would be three, three and a half weeks and if you turn those into prophetic weeks then that means it was actually years and it's actually thousands of years and here's when the church officially came into power and here's when their power was stripped away in like 1798 (laughs) whatever it is it's just so absurd and selective yeah it's like well according to you they're still in power and it seems like if anything i would say the uh, vatican's influence is waning yeah, and this becomes more and more preposterous with time.
0: When people do that, it always immediately makes me want to like use their methods to come to some different results. So, okay, well, can I make this work for Stephen Hawking,
2: uh-huh.
0: some random person, and see if you can get like all the same results or not? Right, or make yeah. at least just as strong an argument, just
1: like that Bible code stuff. Yeah, can I yes. find all the same results in Moby Dick? Yes, right. I can. Yeah. Here we have the Beast of the Land, and there's a again Ooh. a little lamb. With horns and glowing red eyes.
0: Yeah, real creepy.
1: I I tried to scare Kara with these, and she said,
0: I don't know, he's still pretty cute. Ah,
1: Here we go. Kara
0: is Ross's wife.
1: Here's a close-up of the glowing eyes lamb, but now it's got the tongue of a snake coming out. Wow. If you work for the Seventh-day Adventists, this is the kind of design work you could do, too. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I like this guy who's supposed to be like a false Christ, and Uh he's... Wearing Just
0: like a hot dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's wearing like Jesus robes, but he looks like, yeah, a modern hot dude with this, uh, what would you call that hairstyle? It's like a boy band hairstyle.
0: Yeah. Just like a crew cut, but a very full one. This is just
1: the wrong graphic. (laughs) Uh,
0: Here's something interesting I just noticed about the color scheme. I was thinking like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of orange and blue. And then I was like, no, there's also red. I just realized the color scheme of this magazine is no green.
1: Oh, yeah. You're right.
0: Everything but green.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: We reject green.
1: (laughs) And then again, we've got the current uh, Pope. This guy's bad. Quotes about how bad the Pope is. So bad. This is another great little patriotic compilation. It's just amazing. We've got the flag in the background and then Mount Rushmore in front of that and then Mm -hmm. military helicopters and tank, and then we've got soldiers in camouflage with guns. And And then
0: finally a turkey.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) and then in profile, we've got the Statue of Liberty, and then some kind of decorated four-star general, and then, yes, our national bird, the turkey. Just, it's wild. But they're emphasizing all of the points that they gave us before about the Mark of the Beast and 666, and, oh, there it is, Vicarius Fili Dei. Ah. That's the 666, this term that was used once long ago and is not regularly referencing the Pope. Oh, this is interesting. They've got a Bitcoin here. Oh, they're talking about whether the government could control buying and selling. Of course they could. So anyways, avoid the mark of the beast and vote. That's what we've learned from Amazing Facts. Speaking of which, my sister just sent me an email yesterday with a link to a sermon series at her church titled spoiler alert and it's all about the end times
0: okay i really like that title
1: yeah it's pretty good yeah and at least so far in the series there's one on whether hell is real there's one on whether COVID 19 is a sign of the end times yes and there's one on when will Jesus return? Yes, I've only listened to that last one in entirety, and the, the pastor was being more circumspect about naming a date. In mm-hmm. and that was it. He was naming Harold uh, Camping, and you know all of these other failed prophecies mm-hmm. like that. Eighty-eight reasons why 1988 is the last day. Wow, Lindsay. S- Yep. And my sister was sending me this saying, like, uh, oh, just be curious to get your reaction and if you feel this is kind of like what we were exposed to as children. I'm guessing she's thinking, hey, look, see, we're being a lot smarter about not naming a date. Yeah. But the same underlying thrust is there. Jesus is gonna be back. We need to be ready any minute. Right. Any minute now. Right, right. As we've been waiting for since we were kids. A book I recommend on that front is Jonathan Kirsch's A History of the End of the World. Mm-hmm. And it's just about the history of ever since Jesus left, essentially. People have been expecting the world to end and looking for all of these signs. And of course, the world just keeps on refusing to end.
0: Right, right. That
1: historical perspective helps you look at the current situation and feel a little silly for feeling so special and chosen that your time is the right time. Right. And if anything, wars are decreasing. The Vatican's losing a lot of its power. Anyway, she's praying for me.
0: So you might be thinking to yourselves, why are we talking so much about amazing facts on this election special? No particular reason. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) We just got some mail from them in order to book, and we thought we'd talk about it.
0: But, you know, it gives you the perspective of, like, the different ways we all look at voting. Everyone's kind of got a bunch of different philosophies and potential outcomes and ways of... Looking at the system as, like, fighting for something better by abstaining or Mm -hmm. voting for a third party. Uh, Right.
1: We hear this all the time about lesser of two evils and all of that.
0: Which sucks. I don't like voting for the lesser of two evils. Neither
1: of us voted for Biden in the primaries.
0: Yeah. But... uh, But we will now. There is, like, as I've gone through the sands of time, that there's a humility in accepting okay this is the state of the world that i happen to be born into Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna work within that system even if that means having to sacrifice some of my personal sense of purity my pure voting record of having like voted you know i think that idea of like looking back with pride in years Mm -hmm. to come Mm -hmm. can be useful but can also kind of fuck you a little bit because if you want to just look back and be like I held true, but you didn't get anything out of it. You're kind of sacrificing everybody else for your sense of purity. I always picture it like this. Oh, I had this piece of paper here somewhere because I was just making this analogy to my friends Alicia and Matthew, but that like progress is a jagged line, right? Yeah. So right now we're in this very ugly jag <laughs> where things- We've
1: taken a downturn. Yeah,
0: yeah, things have gone down. But like, in order to go back up, you are going to pass back where you once were. That is an essential feature of turning around. <laughs> yes. And I would have loved it if we shot straight up to Bernie or whatever, but we didn't, and I still want to turn the fuck around.
1: Even if it's not a V-shaped recovery, maybe it can be a K-shaped recovery.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: To tie it into the amazing facts thing a little bit, I was just thinking about how I was convinced to go vegetarian because I saw them talking about their reasons, cloven hooves and unclean birds Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And they don't eat meat because they have this particular reason. I thought, well, then why can't I, in the same way, remember that they are voting as well. So you should also vote. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they can vote for their reasons, make oh, sure yeah. you're being heard as well.
0: Yeah. And we recognize this is your decision and that we are, you have the home team advantage here, right? Because we are trying to gain a little ground in your mind. So we respect that. We're mm-hmm. going to try to convince you of the way that we think is the best way to vote. But before we do, let's talk about bras.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, thank goodness we're not a nonprofit. We don't have any injunction against speaking our minds politically.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: But we do get supported by some awesome sponsors, as well, of course, as our majority of support, which is from our listeners. That's right. But yeah, let's tell you about bras.
0: You know, Ross, there's no substitute for voting and there's no substitute for comfort, especially when it comes to your bra. Am I right or am I right? I vote yes. Third Love uses the measurements of millions of people to design bras with all-day comfort and support. And I tell you what, I'm wearing a Third Love bra right now. This moment? On my breasts. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Carrie's
1: got a shirt on top of that. That's why I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not that you'd probably recognize it on site. Maybe uh, you would. Maybe you study the catalog.
1: I don't, but do they have a like a tag in the back? No, because <laughs>
0: most or maybe all of Third Love's garments are tagless, so they don't dig into you and itch you and yeah, feel all shitty back it's there. such a
1: nice touch.
0: Oh, literally.
1: What if you're not sure about your size?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: not speaking specifically to you, but anybody listening, well, you can take Third Love's online Fit Finder quiz to find the size and styles that are right for you from Cups Double A. To I, including half sizes.
0: And they stand behind their products. If you don't love it, every customer has 60 days to return it, and all of your gently used return bras are donated to people in need. And I gotta say, I used to wear competitor bras. I know. I don't even want to say the name, but now I truly, this is really true. Once I got my third love bras, I was like, oh, these are better. I'm just going to wear these and the others are just sitting there in a drawer.
1: That's awesome. Well, if you want to try one of those bras yourself, you can go to thirdlove.com slash oh no right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase.
0: That's thirdlove.com slash oh no for 10% off today.
1: Nice, you got any other uh, clothing items for me, Carrie?
0: yeah, yeah, here I've got this tiara mm-hmm. um Ooh. yeah, let's see two or three pants suits. Here is a gardening apron.
1: that's all very nice, but do you have anything mm-hmm. in the shoe category? Oh,
0: shoot, are you kidding me? <gasps> I have a lot of shoes, but here's one of my favorite pair that's me opening my drawer. Clip clop, clip, 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 clop, they're walking toward you. There they are. Oh, wow. How cute are those?
1: These must be Rothys. That's right. I see. I called it. I know all your apparel.
0: Because they're cute as hell. hmm They're green. They have a star splash on them. But they're comfortable.
1: And they're not just like physically the color green. They're also green in that they're environmentally friendly.
0: Exactly.
1: They're made from recycled water bottles.
0: Exactly. How cool is that? They really are really cool. They're washable, they're sustainable. They're very pliable. I can never think of any better word for Rothy's Shoes than pliable. They just want to meld to your foot. That's
1: great. You don't have to break them in.
0: Uh Uh-uh. They're
1: not scratchy. They're soft. They're comfortable.
0: And yet they're, what's the word? They can take a beating and keep on ticking. Resilient. Oh, yeah. Like our country. Yeah. They're like-
1: Like Joe Biden.
0: (laughs) They're really good. And- (laughs) What's also really nice about them is like, you could wear them with jeans, you could wear them with a nice dress, and they would totally look appropriate in both circumstances. So listen, take your first steps into fall with comfortable, washable, and sustainable products from Rothy's.
1: And Rothy's owns and operates their manufacturing workshop, where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way.
0: Step, do you get it? Steps.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash oh no. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash oh no, O-H-N-O.
1: Fantastic. I know I was just bagging on the Pope to you, Carrie, but mm. I've got a jumbotron right here.
0: <gasps> from the Pope?
1: From from a Pope.
0: Whoa, okay. Okay, so there are two Popes right now. There's Pope Benedict and there's Pope Francis. So I'm going right. to guess which one it is. I'm going to say of the two, Francis would be far more likely to listen to our show. Mm-hmm. So is it from Pope Francis?
1: Yes, it's well, it's from Jeannie Pope,
0: <gasps> oh. which is just as good. Oh, I agree. If
1: I not better. Her.
0: I don't know who she is, but I love her.
1: And this Jumbotron is for Michael Pope.
0: Oh, so they have a two Pope situation as well.
1: Right. And I don't know if they're related. I would assume so.
0: I think so, because the message is, happy birthday to my cool brother, Michael Pope.
1: Well, that settled that. <laughs> the message goes on, thank you for suggesting Onrack as a remedy for goat sperm. Oh... Carrie's not sure about that. I
0: wonder what the story was before that remedy was suggested. <laughs> Love, light and peace, Genie. Ah. Uh, ah, the that, Popes.
1: That's an awesome sibling.
0: I hope that they visit each other in a cabin in the back every day. Isn't that what Pope Francis does? He like Pope Benedict lives in a cabin behind the Vatican.
1: I never thought about where I would find The old Pope.
0: So the new Pope goes and visits him every day and they like sit down and talk and he... What up, Benedict? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you were not nearly as good. (laughs) But they retired, so it's fine.
1: Thank you for retiring. You know, when you suck at your job, you should resign, Donald Trump.
0: (laughs) So Donald Trump you mentioned. Yeah. President... Donald John Trump.
1: It's still so weird to me to picture him as president. Yeah. Because he's been in the public eye and our collective minds for so long. Yeah. You know, originally as this real estate tycoon who owned casinos. I -hmm. think maybe that was the first I ever heard Uh, of him.
0: Some wrestling affiliation.
1: He owned like a WWE franchise or something like that. And the Miss America pageants, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the greatest things of America. <laughs> I remember kind of thinking of him in relation to uh, Biff Tannen from Back mm-hmm. to the Future Two, mm-hmm. and thinking like, "Oh, that was kind of based on Donald Trump. Like if he became president, oh, or wow. you know, or kind of ruled the world."
0: Was that actually based on Donald Trump, or just? Yeah, actually, really.
1: Yeah, he was inspired by Donald Trump as.
0: Oh my god! One of
1: the inspirations.
0: Yikes! Okay. I, I mean,
1: it's so him, right? Yeah. Um, and just everything about being flashy and golden and like he had a board game Mm -hmm. uh
0: steaks
1: right sold steaks and wine even though he's a teetotaler he doesn't right drink alcohol definitely someone you want to buy wine from right he had a university he got into trouble for right as he was getting elected total
0: con yeah
1: where he just took people's money and never showed up Yep. Yep. Also, The Apprentice. Mark Burnett, the TV producer, kind of grabbed him. He's had many comeback stories. Mm-hmm. He was almost bankrupt in the late '80s, early '90s, and banks would bail him out. And he's good at losing money. Right. Uh, we've learned this along the way. But I think he was in another one of those career low points, and then The Apprentice came around, and that was a huge money maker for him and his brand. And he kind of moved. From just solely real estate and his hotels and all that to selling his name on things like stakes and what have you. Right. Multi-level marketing schemes, which ties into some of the things we cover on our show.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was essentially like playing a...
1: (laughs) A billionaire on TV.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is a billionaire, of course, but like Mary Trump, his niece, gets into this in her book and replays it really well that like... His dad was really the brains behind all of the business acumen. Right. But he knew that Donald had this eye-grabbing way of speaking and acting. So if he could put him out in front and he could be sort of the brains behind the madness, that could work out. But then sort of convince people, no, Donald really knows what he's doing, which he (laughs) didn't. And then you end up with something like The Apprentice convincing people, oh, he must really know what he's doing. Right. Uh, And then you give him a country.
1: It's all about the surface level impression of success. Yeah. And all that kind of nouveau riche style. Uh There's been a lot of jokes going around about how when Trump caught COVID – People would say, well, how would you know if he lost his taste? And then they'll show a picture of him with a gold chair in front of this weird pastiche of, like, Rococo and mm-hmm. Egyptian obelisk. I don't know. What, whatever he can grab, he'll put in a room and it looks awful.
0: Yeah. But if you have a room like that, that's fine. We respect you.
1: Now, I searched myself recently and I said, Ross, have you ever in any way contributed to any of these projects or success? I've... Never watched The Apprentice.
0: Oh, hmm
1: I've never bought a Trump steak. Okay. I did see Home Alone 2 that he shows up in briefly. <laughs> True. And that's the only thing I could think of where I had actually, like, contributed to Oh,
0: interesting. to
1: Donald Trump's... Yeah,
0: I haven't seen The Apprentice either.
1: Ascendancy.
0: I bet there's some way I'm connected that I don't realize.
1: But all of this was how he had effectively pushed himself into the public eye mm-hmm. with media appearances and calling in all the time and talking about his... Crazy ways on Howard Stern, you know, Mm. like talking about his Playboy ways. And all of that created this myth of him as a successful businessman, as you were saying. And he was running on that, not his political capability. He had no government experience whatsoever. And his real entry into politics was. The whole birther conspiracy. Right. We talk a lot about conspiratorial thinking.
0: So we're going to go over a bunch of ways that Donald Trump has promoted bad thinking. One of the earliest ones was this idea that uh, appears to have racist origins, that Barack Obama was not really born in the United States. He was born in Kenya. And Donald Trump was demanding like a long form birth certificate to prove he really was from the United States. For people not from here, you have to be actually born on American soil to be president. It's one of our very silly rules. So, you know, this would, of course, undermine his presidency entirely. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's not true at all. It's not true on any level.
1: Nope. There's no reason to think it's true or even suspect it's true. The timeline doesn't work. There was a local announcement in the Hawaii newspaper. Mm -hmm. Why would you say this? Because one of the things that Trump does really well is throws out an idea. Just people are saying this.
0: Yep. And Mm -hmm. it's
1: this kind of speaking out both sides of your mouth. I'm saying this, but I'm not saying this, but now Mm -hmm. I've said it and I've put it out there and you're aware of it and you don't know whether I really believe it or not, but now you're talking about it and ha ha, I've moved the conversation. Right. And for people who are racist and think that this is very appealing, to think that the black man isn't actually from America, so he can't be president here, then your confirmation bias can take over and suddenly make this a relevant point of questioning.
0: And if you bought into that and you're listening to this, not saying that that was your motivation, but I do think that was Trump's motivation. Yes. So that's how he entered the political sphere. Cool. A widely debunked bit of nonsense. And now he is promoting all sorts of bad thinking. So should we start with the bad science?
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking real quickly about other pronouncements because he had no problem just chiming in and criticizing other uh, presidents before him. Mm -hmm. And he, for example, was very in favor of us getting into the Iraq war. But then when he ran for president, he changed his mind about that. And he said, no, I was never for it. Mm. And this will come up as a theme. He lies. Well, we we might differ on how to categorize that, but he tells untruths with abandon. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no compunction there. There's no equivocation. There's no introducing of language to give a certain level of confidence. Mm -hmm. It's just he says what he feels and then... You can never or call him on. What he thinks
0: it. works in that moment. Well, yeah, and he knows if he even believes it.
1: It's hard to know, right? What is going on inside of his head in this? But he'll just say whatever he needs to say and seem fully convinced of it. And it's really hard to keep up.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, wait, keep up as in keep up with or for him to keep up?
1: Uh, to keep up with. Oh, okay. Someone I was talking to who had watched the recent debate mentioned the Gish Gallop. Mm. And it's very much like there was a creationist named Dwayne Gish. His tactic would be to throw out a bunch of little peccadilloes, little arguments against evolution and say, oh yeah, what about this one fossil that was found that was dated as blah, blah, blah. And what about these layers of fossil? And what about this? And so he would get five minutes to speak and he would lay out 25 things to sow doubt. Mm -hmm. And then it's the job now of the next person to pick it up and patiently explain the first example and, oh, you're out of time, because it takes a lot longer to unpack an untruth and point to good information and source data and reliable sources than it is to just sow a bunch of bad ideas very quickly.
0: Yeah, it's like the kid who realizes he's losing Monopoly and just throws his arms in the middle of the board and messes everything up (laughs) and throws all the pieces everywhere.
1: And that kid is our president.
0: (laughs) Like if someone refuses... To use the rules, you're putting everyone else in this position of cleaning up after yeah, you. Yeah. Anyway, so vaccines. Yes. They're good.
1: They're really good.
0: <laughs> A, an incredibly scientifically proven principle. And when we have good regulation, extremely safe. Mm-hmm. Extremely safe. Now, Trump, of course, wants to weaken our regulations.
1: I need this as an October surprise. I need a vaccine before the election date. That's not how that works, Trump. Yep. You gotta wait for clinical trials.
0: But in early 2018, mm-hmm. he met several times with the famous anti-vax activist Robert Kennedy Jr. and almost named him to a new vaccine board.
1: Of course he did. This is a theme for Trump as well. I was reading recently in Rage the latest mm-hmm. Bob Woodward book that Trump had met with Bill Gates in 2016 in Trump Tower as he's getting ready. And Bill Gates was warning him about pandemics mm. and saying this is going to be really important. And I think around that time, Trump offered to make him like an advisor or in charge of something to do <laughs> with kind really of- really smart. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I'll make you my czar of- whatever. I can't remember what the particular appointment would have been, but it would be to handle such issues. And Bill Gates said, well, I don't think that would be the best use of my talents. Mm. Uh, There's other people you could pick for that. Then apparently a year later, he met with Gates in 2017 and said, hey, I'm thinking of, you know, educating the public about the dangers of vaccines.
0: Oh, no. And
1: Gates had to tell him, no, that's a very bad idea. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, Please I'd don't. like to go back and take your offer now <laughs> yeah. that I realize I'm the best thing on the table.
1: Right. I was the last one you talked to at the moment. I dazzled you for a second. So he has long been a conspiracy theorist when it comes to vaccines. And mm-hmm. well, again, we'll say these little things. And if you try to pin them on them later, like, oh, I was just saying we need to ask questions about how many vaccines we should have or how safe they are.
0: Yeah, this is a problem with the just ask questions thing. Absolutely. Ask any questions you want. Person listening to this, please do. When we elect leaders, Mm -hmm. we want them to have spent their whole careers answering questions, coming to conclusions, getting the best science in the room, talking to experts. Yes, they should leave their minds open for other possibilities. But the whole idea of electing a person in charge is that they've come to some good conclusions.
1: And one person in charge can't do everything. And so they pick people to be on their cabinet and their administration. So you want someone who picks experts. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, it seemed like that became a real issue where, as Americans, a lot of people were kind of insulted at the presumption of experts and elites to tell us that they know more about us than certain things. For certain things, you want elites. You want people who know the most Mm -hmm. about a certain Mm -hmm. topic being in charge of that topic. And you just mentioned appointing Robert Kennedy Jr., almost naming him to a vaccine review. Oh, my God. But he does things like that. Look at Betsy DeVos. She is petitioned against public school funding and here she is now in charge of education. Yeah. Rick Perry when he was running for president back in 2011, he said that he wanted to shut down three government agencies and the one he couldn't remember at the time was the Department of Energy. Guess who's in charge of the Department of mm-hmm. Energy now? Mm-hmm. That's right, Rick Perry. And um, Scott Pruitt was put in charge of the EPA. He's been fighting the EPA for years. And Trump Mm -hmm. takes those people and says, ah, you're the one who hates this group. And I think it's something that people of kind of the more libertarian persuasion really love. They want a smaller government. They clap their hands and say, oh, good. Uh, This person hates that particular agency. They're going to whittle it down to nothing.
0: Right. That appears to be the um, motivation there.
1: Speaking of climate change.
0: He uh, called it a hoax invented by... The Chinese,
1: <laughs> another theme,
0: yeah. Boy, he's so obsessed with China. China. So, how can we even summarize this? Climate change is not a hoax, it's so real. And if you don't believe me, please come out and smell the air in LA. <laughs> and, and I don't mean my farts.
1: You had that one senator who showed up in Congress with a snowball. Mm -hmm. And that was like the argument of like, oh, you say that the globe is warming. Well, what about the snowball I just picked up from outside? What a ridiculous stunt. It's like saying-
2: What do you think you're perfect?
1: I'm trying to think of an analogy. Like, let's say your house is being invaded by termites. Uh And, you know, you see them everywhere and they're fluttering about and, you know, there's like three queens (laughs) flying through your your basement. But you go and you chip off a piece of wood from the other part of the house that hasn't been infected yet. And you're like, aha, see, there's no termites in this one.
0: Right, right, right. Gotcha. Right, right, like, right,
1: yeah. Well, all signs point <laughs> to this being a problem.
0: Also, I hope you didn't just carve out part of your house because it's already being destroyed. <laughs> it's it's listing.
2: Uh, <laughs> nice um, callback.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So you know, for years he said that this was like a hoax. Obviously, because he had business interests in companies that it would financially benefit him and them for climate change to be ignored as a problem.
1: And even now, he'll say things kind of like he does with masks, and I know we'll come back to this topic, but he'll say something Mm -hmm. vaguely positive about, yeah, climate change is a problem, and okay, we don't know exactly who caused it. Fine. If you want to address the problem, you can equivocate about it being anthropogenic. It is. But he'll say something Largely. vaguely in favor of X. And then he can turn to other people and say, oh, see, look, I'm not anti-climate change. I said X at one point. Mm-hmm. But then he's turning around and saying windmills cause cancer. And, right. oh, it's a bird graveyard. You're going to kill all these birds with these fans. Right. Suddenly he cares about birds. Right. It's just so frustrating, the whole talking out of both sides of your mouth thing. Yeah. Because you can always claim deniability, plausible or implausible.
0: It reminds me of when Caitlyn Jenner went to meet with him and was really concerned about whether he was going to roll back trans rights. And he basically convinced her no, no, like if you vote for me, I'm going to be like your greatest ally.
1: Right, yeah, anything to get like the no, vote.
0: No concern for consistency.
1: Just like Mexico's going to pay for the wall. That didn't happen. No one seems to mind.
0: Then psychology, a branch of science. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Trump also claims he's a handwriting expert.
1: <laughs> of course he does. I, uh, I, I didn't, didn't know that. I
0: didn't know this either. Mr. Drew Spears pointed it out to me. So graphology, we should look into it sometime. We should uh Oh, definitely. It. But um, without closing the book on it, without having read it, every expert psychologist I've looked at who has looked into this has said, nope, no consistency between the way people write and what their personality is. There's no way you can just like look at someone's signature and decide if they're smart or if they're bold, etc. You might be able to tell what they want you to think about them. Okay. Like someone who writes an enormous signature wants you to see their signature. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: you didn't need an expert to tell you that.
1: But it ties into, you just lent me this book, The Cult of Trump, Yeah. By Stephen Hassan.
0: Great book, bad Bad title. title,
1: But Stephen Hassan himself was very involved in the unification church, Mm -hmm. the Moonies. And then he got out and Mm -hmm. decided to devote himself to studying cults and high pressure groups. Right. So there's a lot of interesting corollaries that he makes here between kind of how Trump has coalesced his base. But one thing he was pointing out was in a discussion of grandiosity Mm -hmm. as being kind of one of the... Attributes that you could very easily sort of apply to Trump. Trump has this way of saying, "I'm the only one who can fix this," or these other like kind of preposterous on their face claims, like "No one is tougher on ISIS." <laughs> and in the book, he had this list of things that he knows more than anyone else about. Where he said, "In a, oh, yeah, he cool. has said the words- oh, I I, didn't
0: remember this. I okay. know
1: more than anyone else about.' Okay, here we go. Renewables." Okay. Social media. Oh. Debt, I guess so. Yeah, okay. Since fair enough. he's carrying like 400 something million dollars of debt. Banking. Okay. Wall Street bankers. Okay. Money. Okay. The US government? Nope. <laughs> certainly not. Campaign contributions?
0: Oh, interesting choice.
1: Yeah, politicians.
0: okay.
1: Senator Cory Booker. (laughs) Okay. I would think his mom knows more about him, or maybe he himself knows That makes me want to
0: quiz him, like, what's his birthday?
1: (laughs) Exactly. What's his favorite
0: food? Vegan or not vegan?
1: (laughs) Trade jobs. He's vegan. Infrastructure. Defense. The horror of nuclear. Trust (laughs) me, I know more than anybody about the horror of nuclear. And the visa system. Okay. This book was published, I think, somewhere around, like, March, April of 2019. Mm-hmm. So even as of then, he'd already claimed to be the best expert to know the most, more than anybody else about all of those topics.
0: It's such a nightmare time to try to write a book about the president. You have to just be constantly calling your editor, being like, wait, did you publish it? He says has been crazy, and I have to edit it in the <laughs>
1: thing. Right. It, 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 you know, he was very smart about this. Like, in the very final pages, he said, hey, I have to go to press now but (laughs) granted there's going to be more stories yeah and it's so true because, like we were saying last week, this tax bombshell—this could end anybody else's career. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Trump is, nothing sticks to him because usually you catch somebody, and you say like, aha, Carrie, you didn't pay your taxes," and then you're like, "Oh no," and you feel mm-hmm. you're filled with remorse and you admit it. Or because eventually-
0: it's an outlier in my otherwise dignified behavior,
1: <laughs> right? But for Trump, he just points it back at you or somebody else. He points the finger. He denies it. He won't take credit for it. He brushes over it. It's it's, it's mad. Nothing yeah. sticks to the guy.
0: Yeah, it's super dishonest. Yes. Yeah, I do recommend that book. We both bristled a little bit at the title, just because cult brings to it's mind like term. so many assumptions. Of course, it's written by a cult survivor or a person who identifies his former group as a cult. But I, I, I just want to say, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh, that's not cool," like I liked Trump, I don't feel like I'm in a cult. Fair. Anybody, anybody, including me. Including me. Can fall victim to a cult. So it's not a statement about the followers. It is a statement about the leader.
1: Indeed. I would even wager guess that that was not his chosen title because he does take a very good compassionate stance in the book yeah. towards you know people who are followers of Trump. He doesn't want them to feel like yeah. they are somehow bad people necessarily. One thing that both you and I kind of reacted to just since we're talking about the book, I, we'll probably come back to it, but- he also seems to give, I think, a little more power to hypnosis and mm-hmm. trances. You're
0: talking about Steve Hassan, the writer, Steve not, Hassan. not Trump.
1: In the book, he talks about how people can kind of take advantage of your mind in ways that I think are a little more magical than reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Say.
1: But yeah, very I think small. it's
0: it's on the bubble. But yeah. I, small note. Yeah, I remember being struck by that too. All right. How about COVID? You heard about this COVID thing?
1: Oh, here we go. Okay. So
0: I think possibly the most destructive thing Trump has done, or certainly the most destructive thing he's done through pseudoscience, bad information. Mm Mm-hmm is let COVID just run rampant through the United States because he insisted it was a hoax. Yeah. Although he kind of went back and forth about whether he actually thought the virus is a hoax or right. just the way people are blaming him. Or-
1: so I was reading about this, that you know, fact checkers have weighed in. And okay, he never said the virus itself is a hoax. Right. But he did say that this is the Democrats' latest hoax and that they're yeah. pushing this as such an important issue.
0: And like blaming it on him.
1: Or insinuating that it was just overemphasized or that it's not nearly as dangerous as everybody's right. saying, which, again, it kind of comes up with the just asking questions thing. Right. Like when you have a Holocaust denier say like, well, it wasn't six million. You know, if we look mm-hmm. at this, we can find out the number was smaller. Yeah, we we get what you're trying to do. <laughs> when talking about the virus early on, he said it would just go away. It'll be like a miracle.
0: It'll be like magic.
1: It'll be gone by, like, April once it heats up. You know, it doesn't like the heat. That's how his scientific mind works.
0: And... Just to put this in perspective, two faith healers we've interviewed on this show made the same level of prognostication as the U.S. president about how that would go down. So, you know, he suggested that we could inject people's veins with disinfectant.
1: Oh, wasn't he just being sarcastic?
0: He did later say it as sarcastic, very weird moments, be sarcastic, if so. Not good at sarcasm, even if we somehow... Took that as the truth. It's then the, we have a president who <laughs> sees thousands of people dying and thinks time to make a joke and then walk <laughs> away from the microphone.
1: Yeah, and just really bad delivery of a joke at the wrong yeah. time for the joke. There's nothing sarcastic about that, but he says that, and somehow he
0: escapes
1: from his stupid comment about yeah. injecting yourself with bleach or disinfectant. Well,
0: so far, but that's what we're saying. Don't let him escape.
1: There's That's something right. you can
0: do about that. Hold them
1: to it. Be the adult in the room.
0: So sh- talked about using bleach to treat coronavirus, UV therapy.
1: Yes. If you put a droplet of COVID-19 containing fluid on the table, mm-hmm. I can take bleach or disinfect mm-hmm. it to that drop. And yes, I will kill the virus. I can shine UV light on it, depending on how much UV light and how long. Yes, mm-hmm. that will disinfect it. But when you're in a body- It's a different matter. Mm -hmm. You can't just go using something that kills all cells and stick it in your body.
0: It's like if you take seeds and put them in just barely the wrong environment, right? Put them in salt? Forget it. You're going to ruin those seeds forever. Put that seed in the ground, grow it into a nice big tomato plant, Mm -hmm. put the same amount of salt on it, nothing the fuck is going to (laughs) happen. Right. I think I've made my point. I think you have. And then masks, like... Good God, the simplest thing and the easiest thing you could possibly do to keep this virus from spreading Mm -hmm. that is mostly transmitted through water droplets coming out of your mouth and nose Mm -hmm. is cover your mouth and nose. Yeah. Cover the dang thing up. It's such like a simple no-brainer. And- And For months, he just refused to even do that because I think he thought it made him look weak.
1: And not just- for him, because he couldn't take a solid stance on it, it politicized into this issue where if you're for Trump, you don't wear a mask. Yeah. And goodness, my cousin got really up in arms about this. The idea is this is an impingement on your liberties, on your freedom. Oh, what are they going to ask you to do next You know, if we agree to this mask thing? And so it became this conflict of your First Amendment rights and public safety And you should never align those. And so many points he could have come out and just clearly and unambiguously said, hey, all of you support me, please wear these masks. It's important. I care about you. I want you to stay safe. I know it's a little inconvenient, but it really does cut down transmission. I was talking to this Fauci guy and, you know, he's right about that. Mm -hmm. Whatever. He he could have been clear about that. Instead, late in the game when he gets a lot of Press attention about this. Then he puts out a picture and says, hey, patriots, wear your masks. Mm-hmm. Great. But what's all the other stuff you're saying that's eating away at that? Mm-hmm. Again, both sides of your mouth.
0: And if you want to see how that's landing with people, actually see how they're reacting. A lot of his followers felt like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's very savvy. Exactly. He'll say that sort of thing because he knows yes. that he kind of has to play a game. But we get where he's coming so
1: I see that when I'm reading forums, right? It's uh-huh. very effective in that now he's done his job. He said the responsible thing, but all of his true followers, they know what he actually meant.
0: One of the common theories we all may have seen online is that masks are going to <laughs> bring down your oxygen levels such that, like, you're going to <laughs> faint. Or something, right. Which is just like, wear a mask for 10 minutes, see if it happens. doesn't happen. Right. But Trump said masks are a double-edged sword. He said people touch them. And they grab them. And I see it all the time. They come in, they take the mask, now they're holding it in their fingers, they drop it on the desk, then they touch their eye, then they touch their nose. It's a double edged sword.
1: Sure, there's a good note there about proper mask handling. Mm-hmm. But that's his moment to say, everyone, make sure you properly handle your masks. Only grab them by the ear loops. Once you've worn it, wash it, have a few masks. Like, totally. I see it with what he's doing with voting, where he constantly puts out all of these signals about, oh, they're trying to steal the ballots. They're going to send in your ballot for you. They're going to steal them. They're going to send in multiple ones. Then fix it. You're the president. Like, <laughs> offer a solution. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing that, he just points at what he doesn't like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just so unproductive.
0: I will say that particular thing I do see on both sides of the aisle. The like, mm. here's a problem. Oh, yeah. Here's a problem. <laughs> okay. And what are we? Here's a problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> do you
0: definitely see that oh, from my side of the aisle as well.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. First of all, yes, things are hard to do. And our public officials are only humans. You need to allow for that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's so irresponsible. And he could be clear about it. And, of course, in this last debate, referring to the first debate that he had with Joe Biden, who knows at this point if there will be a second, he made fun of Joe Biden at that debate right after he was asked about masks. He said, oh, yeah, see, I've got one right here in my pocket. Yeah, you know, I wear it when I need to. But then he makes fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, he was positive at that time.
0: At that time debate.
1: Certainly, we didn't know at that point, but the timeline works out. He had COVID-19 at that time.
0: Right. Almost now, certainly. He didn't know, I think, until the next day.
1: Well, now this is a big... Area of debate because yeah. the White House is telling us they didn't know till like Thursday evening. The debate was Tuesday. You know, he went and visited with donors who were paying mm-hmm. thousands, some tens of thousands, some hundreds of thousands of dollars to see him. You know, he's interacting with them without a mask. Mm-hmm. They were even noticing then that he seemed a little low energy and sluggish. Oh, the whole hydroxychloroquine promotion. Mm-hmm. That was huge. He made a big deal about it. Oh, I'm taking it. I, who knows if he was actually taking it? That was mm-hmm. irresponsible if he was. But goodness, had arguments with people online about this, trying to point them at actual sources. And it could have been effective, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, finally, once we let the data come in, it wasn't effective. And now that Trump has COVID, he's taking lots of things. A whole mm-hmm. cocktail. None of them is and hydroxychloroquine. Weird.
0: Weird. And if he was taking it preemptively, it did not stop him from getting COVID. Looky, yeah. lucky, Looky, lucky. lucky, lucky. Hmm. And by the time this comes out, you'll be chuckling to yourself that this is so outdated. They're he still talking crazy about ass that. Thing. <laughs> Maybe by the time we're listening to this, he is... In a coma. I don't know. Like, that's the sort of thing that's possible when if, you have COVID-19. If only
1: the people around him weren't bullied and intimidated into not telling us the truth, we'd know more about his current status.
0: Uh, I Let me speak to you from the heart, listener. I'm worried that you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I hear all that, but you're just oversimplifying this because you already don't like the guy. You're right. I don't like the guy, but correct. this is as Life and death as a president can make the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, this
1: one issue in particular.
0: I mean, even this week, he was knowingly riding in his presidential caravan with a bunch of his secret service in a hermetically sealed <laughs> mm-hmm. Vehicle.
1: Yeah, that's built to withstand chemical attacks. So yeah, no air can get in.
0: Right, which means that yeah, everything is circulating even more than it would in a regular car. Like, he doesn't care about anyone but himself. And honestly, like, look inside yourself and, and ask yourself if you really can be okay with this guy being president again and the kind of damage he's going to do.
1: And I like to think that it's not even a, a left or right thing or a Democrat or Republican thing. I think he has equally been abusive of the right's ideals. Yeah. And I think everybody saw it beforehand when he was calling Ted Cruz a lion Ted and mm-hmm. accusing his dad of killing JFK, mm-hmm. another conspiratorial claim. Mm-hmm. And Oh,
0: his dad did kill JFK. But we'll <laughs> talk about that on another. Episode.
1: And yeah, that, that one's true. <laughs> it's not. And uh, in making fun of his wife for being ugly, right, you know, like in his mind. That's the kind of discourse that he was sowing then. And before he was head of the ticket. Everybody could call him out for what he was. They all pointed at him and said, oh, you're a xenophobe, race baiter. Even my cousin at the time said, oh, he's horrible the way he demeans women. Mm. And then a few months later, he was president, and now Mm. he was the defender of the pro-life position. Right. And that's all she needed. She's been for him ever since. Oh, wow. I just want to inject something real quick, and it's not bleach. (laughs) I just remembered. Just one of the many things that he says that I was suddenly reminded of is that He has this like battery theory of energy. He doesn't Mm -hmm. exercise because he believes- I'm sorry? So he believes that you start out with a certain amount of fixed energy in your life. What? In your body. (laughs) Is this a real thing? This is a real thing. No way. Oh, yes. So essentially, it's his own little private theory. I don't know when he concocted it or got it or who he heard it from or what. But the idea is he doesn't want to exercise because that will drain that battery, essentially.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Does he he not know what happens to a battery if you don't use it? (laughs) Even if you buy this dumb theory?
1: Good point. Don't think he's given it that much thought.
0: Oh, my God. But
1: that's why he never exercises.
0: This is what happens when you elect a president who has never had their car stop on them.
1: Yeah, there's something that comes... In life with not having everybody do everything for you. Yeah. You start to actually know about things.
0: Yeah. And to think, you have to use batteries to keep (laughs) batteries. Interesting.
1: You know, to say nothing of muscle development. And, yep, this guy keeps ticking so far. Yeah. He currently has COVID, so who knows what's going to happen, but it looks like he will pull out of this okay. Yeah. But, you know, the guy eats constant cheeseburgers. This is another thing. He loves eating fast food because he's always been worried about being poisoned. And so he knows if you go to a McDonald's, then it's just been pre-prepared. Nobody can slip him anything.
0: Or harder anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And so, you know, he's not treated his body well. Yeah. And yet- He's doing okay. At least as far as we know, because you can't trust the information coming from his doctors.
0: That, like, poison fear. I couldn't tell you my source for this information, so maybe it's apocryphal. But uh, you always hear that about, like, Hitler and Stalin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that they would have people test their food because they were afraid they were being poisoned because they had things to fear because people hated them. Yeah, Exactly.
1: Because <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the back of your mind, beyond all whatever you're telling yourself, you realize people don't actually love you. Right. Because right. you're being awful. And then he has, he has all these ideas about genes, him having good genes, and he'll say all mm. these things, like he said recently to a crowd, I want to say it was Michigan, maybe Minnesota, but the idea was he was telling everybody, oh, you all have good genes, he said to a mostly white oh, crowd.
0: right, oh, right.
1: And you'll he'll, cool. he'll use, and many, many times over his career, even before he was anywhere near politics, he's referred to this racehorse theory. Of genetics, you know, the idea, Jesus. oh, well, he's talked about like, oh, my dad was like, you know, real go getter. And my mom was an Olympian. And, you know, you got to get like a good horse when you make two really good racehorses. It's a racist right. trope.
0: Right. So anyway, also truth. <laughs> so uh, ah, truth. Yeah. Listen, if you listen to this show, hopefully truth is really important to you. The Washington Post has an article that they just keep updating with his false statements. Right now, there are over 19,000 Okay. I thought we were statements. well over
1: 20,000 at this point.
0: Okay. Actually, you know what? I guess I pulled this in June, so you might be right. Okay. So it's hard to tell at which moments he's lying, at which times he just didn't know and just started talking. No way to know. But again, what I want in a leader is well-considered. Right. Conclusions you've come to. Like, I want a leader to help me be assured. Oh, you've thought this through mm-hmm. and you have some clear answers I don't even have.
1: And people still take the information seriously. And one of the common refrains of his followers is Oh, well, don't pay attention to what he says, pay attention to what mm-hmm. he means,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is so amorphous. You know, mm-hmm. you can make it whatever you want. And yeah, the devaluing of truth is so bad. You have people yeah. who point at the administration and what he's done and say, "Oh, but look, good things have happened of this. The economy was doing fine, you know, pre-COVID, or at least the stock market was. You know, you can point at all these things. This is Sir Jared Kushner's line in Bob Woodward's book. He was saying, "He does all these things that would end anybody else's career, but then things turned out fine. They turned out great." Even if we were to take that as truth, at what cost? If you've made the devaluing of truth or even being able to trust something your leader is saying yeah. is at least intended to be factual, that's so dangerous. Yeah. It's so horrible. And the introduction of terms like alternative facts. Yeah. Thank you, Kellyanne Conway, who also has COVID right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or him using the term fake news, mm-hmm. where he takes a term that had a specific meaning
2: mm-hmm. You know,
1: during the 2016 election. There were articles saying things like the Pope. Right.
0: uh, There were mostly things that propped up his campaign. Right.
1: Mostly. Yeah. There were some about that were pro-Hillary. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, they would either be anti-Hillary or pro-Trump and they would just be completely made up. Pope Francis never endorsed Trump. Mm -hmm. And yet there's an article that gets passed around. That is fake news. Mm-hmm. But now we've forgotten or we can't even use the phrase credibly right. in a conversation, which is, again, we we don't know exactly what he's thinking, but I would assume exactly what he wants. Right. He takes that and then he says, CNN, you're fake news. MSNBC, right. you're fake news.
0: Until the, the water's so muddy you just want to get out instead of clearing it.
1: Exactly. And that was a point Steve Hassan made in his book is that one of the things that kind of helps create the atmosphere that will – kind of set in your ideas, your lies, your your program, whatever it is you're trying to get across, is to just create confusion. Mm-hmm. And then you just don't know who to go to, and everything seems equivalent. And I, I feel like that, that's what we end up with, is a bunch of false equivalencies. And so now, whenever you try to point out any of these things that we're talking about, then people will immediately say, kind of as Trump does, oh, well, look at so-and-so. They did some mm. version of this.
0: Oh, the two quoque fallacy.
1: <laughs> yeah, where you're saying, yeah, exactly. Yo, yo, you say you believe that, but Hillary did X so many years ago. Right. Or Bill Clinton did so-and-so, or Obama did so and so.
0: I guess, like, when two people are running for president, that's kind of reasonable if you're taking the lesser of two evils Mm -hmm. argument, you know, to say, like, okay, yeah, he did this bad thing. She did this bad thing. You know, how do we weight them, et cetera? But once someone's president.
1: Yeah, that's one thing. Stop blaming the prior administrations for all of your problems, but also think of proportion. If you wrote all of these on a whiteboard, it's not even. But he's so good at deflecting blame and nothing is his fault. And he said about COVID, I take no responsibility.
0: Yeah. That's not
1: good in a leader.
0: <laughs> yeah. Leaders should take responsibility even when they acted rightly, but something happened outside of their control that they feel they should have foreseen. Like, right. that's a good leader.
1: I'm trying to remember where the quote came. I want to say it was like an Eisenhower thing. But yeah, there was like a, a direct quote essentially saying, yeah, that's your job as a leader is to take responsibility for whatever happens. Yeah. <sighs> that's
0: Right. So, listen, you get who we don't want you to vote for. Don't
1: vote for Trump. Don't
0: vote for Trump, don't. and please, please do turn out to vote and let me be very clear about this, especially if you live in a purple state or a red state. Mm-hmm. But really, everyone, please <laughs> vote for Joseph R. Biden. Listen, he was neither of our very first choices. Mm-hmm. He wasn't our second choice. I'd say he was somewhere around my sixth or seventh. <laughs> But if Trump had been running for the Democratic ticket, Trump would have been miles below.
1: I like to think he couldn't have pulled the same stunt in the Democratic Party. Cause
0: it's a nice thought, I don't, but I don't know.
1: I don't think he has any particular allegiance to any ideals mm-hmm. on either side. Mm-hmm. I think he wanted the power and the acclaim, and he would have taken it mm-hmm. wherever he could have gotten it.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. uh, in the past, he's acted like a Democrat with his supporting oh, right. of candidates.
0: yeah. yeah. No way to know. Maybe the same thing would have happened. And then it would have been the job of the left to face facts and do the right thing.
1: Another key heuristic that I keep in mind whenever I'm evaluating one of Trump's solecisms or actions is to flip it around and think, well, how would the world have reacted if Obama did the exact same thing? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a good thing to keep in your mind every time you hear about like, whoa, he only paid $750 in taxes. Just do that in your mind and think, oh, I just saw a headline that said Obama only paid $750 in taxes.
0: New audio released. Obama says he grabs women by the pussy.
1: Michelle Obama says, I don't care about the fucking Christmas decorations. How would you feel about that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and just – Play that little thought experiment in your head each time and just say, how would I honestly react if Obama or Michelle or, you know, someone in their administration had done the same exact thing?
0: And then take that and realize that in reality, you would react twice as bad as that. Yes. Because even what you're playing out in your head is going to be colored by your biases. Indeed. All right, well... Anyway. What, are you done? (laughs) About Joseph Biden. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I know that there are probably a lot of people who are listening who are like, yeah, Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. I agree. I don't think Biden's, like, particularly great. And I'd rather use my vote to basically vote for the abolition of the Electoral College or vote Mm -hmm. for a harder left Democratic Party. I really do get this position. I mean, first time I voted, I voted for Ralph Nader, and my top two candidates in this election were Warren and Sanders. Mm -hmm. What I really like is like when I think of Bernie Sanders, who I respect so much, one of the things I always think is like he's such a humble dude. (laughs) Like he is willing to move the platforms by brute force to where when I look at Joe Biden's platforms (laughs) on his website, yeah. although they're not what I want entirely, I'm still like, four years ago, this would have looked nuts. Like a lot of this- like about
1: $15 minimum wage?
0: Yeah. A lot of this is from like push from Bernie and from AOC and all the people who have supported them. And like it or not, that's one of the strongest ways people like that can make an impact. And if you trusted Bernie or Liz- to run your freaking country, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then maybe they have a good idea about who you should vote for, and they've made that very clear. Yeah. And those are people – I really do believe in experts, and those are two people who are, to use a phrase people usually use negatively, career politicians, mm-hmm. but that also means that they, like, they know the system. They know where to make concessions and where to push, and they have pushed hard, and here we are, and now they know, like, okay, and then at the ballot box when it's down to two – You pick the best of the two.
1: And who's going to give them a voice and a seat at the table? Yeah. It's not going to be Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, indeed.
1: And one good thing you can say about Biden is that he listens to people. He's open to feedback. He's moved on a lot of issues. He picked as his VP someone who really criticized him during the primaries. So,
0: vote for Joseph R. Biden. Buy some Rothy's shoes, (laughs) wear a third love bra, and we like you, whoever you are. We're glad you're listening.
1: If you listen to this and you don't agree with us, first of all, good on you for listening.
0: Getting this far, this was a long episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
1: you. I mean, that's a huge thing, just being willing to listen to an opposite viewpoint because we were very passionate and spoke our minds on this topic. And secondly, like you said, we care about you, we like you, and you have that space of grace to move. And we we promise not to point the finger and say, aha, told you
0: so. Truly, yes. If you've changed your mind about Trump, welcome. I really mean that, welcome.
1: But at this point, I do feel it truly is America or Trump. We haven't talked about his strange allegiance to Putin Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about his faking of religious interest, mm-hmm. you know, to Corinthians and all that.
0: His encouraging of Second Amendment radicalism, his and gun buying to the gills.
1: We haven't talked about his multiple infidelities on his multiple wives, his proven paying off of a porn star and a Playboy playmate. There's so his, many things,
0: uh, credible accusations of rape,
1: something like two dozen. Incredible accusations of sexual impropriety in in various forms. Um, All the
0: way up to assault, yeah. And
1: goodness, we haven't even talked about QAnon and all that. (laughs) Yeah. To talk about another whole category of unreason conspiracy that has gone well beyond the anti-Semitic point of no return, Mm -hmm. uh, to reference that new awesome chart that's out. You know, like, if you're concerned about children being abused, well— Trump was very close with Epstein. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you can talk about Bill Clinton, but he's not in power now. Trump is. Mm -hmm. And he was a longtime friend and he knew that he liked the young ones. We could go on for a long time because I think that's part of why he can get away with shooting someone on Fifth Avenue, as he himself said. It's daily. It's constant. It's a parade of new things to distract you. And I want a future where we talk about something other than Trump, Yeah. where I don't have to read another 11 books that are about or in response to Trump's presidency. Mm -hmm. Can't we all just go back to a life where we enjoy news and hear about, I don't know, what used to happen?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it used to be like, Obama caught a fly.
1: (laughs) Right, he wore a tan suit. Oh, he's wearing a helmet. That's so feminine.
0: And. we don't want to go completely back to normal though, right? Like we need to right. we need to push, especially in this moment where yeah, climate not... change is like urgent, yeah. urgent, urgent. That's a um, really good
1: point. It's not about regressing to the mean. Right. We need to seek out a new future with cleaner energy and we've got to tackle all these problems that have needed attention these past four years and haven't
0: gotten them. Right. If your house is on fire and you also want to have a beautiful garden, you're going to have to put the house out first before you build the garden. Yeah, This analogy isn't great, (laughs) but I think you know what I'm saying, listener.
1: So yeah, I know we spent a long time telling you to vote for Biden, please, and do not vote for Trump for the love of all that is (laughs) good and true. But I think it does tie in and hopefully we made the case with a lot of the other things that we talk about that we do really value truth and honesty and honest appraisals of facts. Yeah. That's our case.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're genuinely, genuinely, you're like, this is compelling. I still have this one reason I might still vote for him and I feel like they haven't addressed it and mm-hmm. I really genuinely want to hear their input can write to us at info at Respectfully, I ask that if your question is, my mom says blank, how should I respond to her? You're the best person to figure that out. You're the person who knows your mom. And we... Already get a lot of emails asking for advice on how to deal with family members. We love them. We try to answer all of them, but I just want to put that out there that that's not what I'm actively (laughs) inviting here. But if I am that person to you, if you listen to this show and you're like, oh, Carrie feels like a friend and she's asking me to do a thing I'm not prepared to do, I will talk to you. Email us.
1: Nice. And just to give a note about that, because I think maybe a lot of people listening to this are in a position that we are, where you know somebody who is a Trump supporter and it's hard to bridge that gap and talk to them. I would say to that, start f- from compassion. Start with your love for them. Make sure, again, that is how the conversation is happening, that they know that you care about them. And if you feel like you just can't do that at the moment, that's fine and understandable too. Just step away
0: mm-hmm.
1: and wait for when. Because you,
0: you can make the situation worse.
1: Don't put other people in that situation where they have to Be right in that moment. Mm
0: -hmm. Because then they will be.
1: You have to be right and they have to be wrong. Because exactly, there's only one way that's going to go.
0: They will walk away convinced they did it. Well, Ross, what's the best movie you saw this year?
1: This whole year? Yeah, so far. Oh my goodness. I'm
0: just trying to go out on a high note. Yeah. (laughs) Ross pulls out his log. You knew he had a log, people.
1: So I have, yes, a diary of all the films that I've watched. You know what? (laughs) This is related, but I just watched for the first time a couple nights ago, Wag the Dog.
0: Oh, I've never seen it.
1: It's relevant right now. The whole premise is that there's a president who's about to be reelected, and so he hires Robert De Niro's character, who hires Dustin Hoffman's character, who's a Hollywood producer, to come up with, yeah, this whole war to distract from him groping a young girl Wow! so he can get reelected Wow! and it's all about just like well if we say it it becomes real mm-hmm. and it's pretty hilarious slash brilliant um goodness the best
0: this is so unfair too because i don't have an answer for you well just i'm gonna giving- sit here and blink at you while you figure it out oh actually you know what i know my answer
1: okay what's your answer
0: adaptation oh i, I had love never that seen film. <gasps> it yeah oh i just oh, showed that great. to andrew recently oh yeah that, andrew and i are very much on the same wavelength in yeah. a lot of ways we both love orange we both love rex from toy story we both recently right. saw you, adaptation. Can, you can
1: see on my list that not only do i give adaptation five stars but i put a little heart next to it oh
0: look at that because oh, you, you watched it in august
1: my favorite uh, Kaufman film oh nice those are uh my five star ratings there
0: Ooh, Little Women. Okay, good. I saw that on Christmas last year, so I'm okay. I don't have to add that to my mental queue of 2020 movies.
1: So many good movies in this past year. Okay, I'm just going to highlight a few. Yeah, definitely Little Women, 1917 was great. Didn't see it. Just Mercy.
0: Oh, right, yeah. Haven't seen that either. Meant to see that one.
1: I don't know if it counts, but the uh, Hamilton adaptation-
0: Oh, it's so good. Is
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, it counts. I'll say that
1: Okay. Uh, those were some standout films.
0: Nice. Well, we like you. We love you. Please go vote. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, what would you give Trump on a pseudoscience reading? Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Ross actually (laughs) stares off into space and tries to decide. No, you know, it's very bad. It's all bad. Pocket draining, huge. Pseudoscience, real bad. Danger, 10. Yeah, all the bad things. <laughs> creepy, yeah.
1: He's creepy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, very creepy.
0: Well, that's There's like that. <laughs> sorry.
1: I was thinking of that time that he uh, said something about wanting a piece of that ass about- Oh, his Michael, daughter. Michael Cohen's underage daughter.
0: Or to Mary Trump, his niece said, God, Mary, you're stacked.
1: Oh, right, when he saw her in a bathing suit. Oh, yeah, or when he said that he would be dating his daughter yep. if she wasn't his daughter.
0: Yep, really neat stuff. Well- <laughs> That's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by the heroic American <laughs> oh, sorry, valiant Victor. hero, Victor Figueroa.
1: A true Victor. You can support this podcast, which if you're hearing us for the first time, this is not our usual show. This is
0: so different. This
1: is very different, but these are different times. You can support us at maximumfundorg slash donate or slash join.
0: True dat. Or you can support us... By going to JoeBiden.com.
1: Oh, I'll take it.
0: Donating to him so that I
1: can continue
0: to get my very expensive migraine treatments.
1: Or, you know, donate to other good causes that are supporting other Senate races or or get out the vote efforts. There's so many good causes out there. Please support those. But if you can also support us, we'll take it and we'll appreciate it.
0: We'll take it. We need it. We make an expensive show. This episode notwithstanding.
1: You can go to vote.org if you need more information about your voting status, Uh, Better Know a Ballot. It's a fun site from Stephen Colbert about uh, voting rules and deadlines in your state.
0: You can also follow us on social media. There's Twitter. Heard of it? We're at Ono Podcast.
1: If you've heard of Facebook and you're still there, we're at facebook.com slash onrec, O-N-R-A-C.
0: You can always support us by leaving a positive review wherever you get your iTunes, wherever you get your (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) That was a genuine error.
1: Whatever platform it is you use that contains the word "pod" or contains the word "cast,"
0: you know what? Write it on your cast.
1: That would be awesome if you have a cast. Please write (laughs) us a message on your cast. Send it to us. Write
0: a lengthy review. That's going to happen before the banana. Yeah, that's probably right. (laughs) No one's done this banana thing. Banana on a stick. Banana on a stick. Right on rack on the banana. Put the banana on the stick. March down the street carrying the banana.
1: Not too much to ask?
0: Apparently.
1: And vote for Joe Biden. And remember, if you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is underwater? We need a president who respect science who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. And unless we take urgent action,
2: we'll soon be more catastrophic. He fails to protect us from the pandemic, from an economic freefall, from racial unrest, from the ravages of climate change, it's clear that we're not safe in Donald Trump's America. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow, the cover.
0: We've got a new champion! We're here with matcho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah! Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices,
1: myself excluded,
0: yeah. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it.
2: Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep.
1: Hello, this is Steve from Albany talking about my favorite podcast, Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a show where listeners submit their crazy ideas for game shows, And the two hosts have to play them, and they often bring in celebrities and small children to share in the pain and hilarity. At first, it might seem like Joe Firestone has a contentious relationship with listeners, but that is only mostly true. She actually really respects us. It's a lot like Lethal Weapon, where Joe is like, oh, listeners, you're all loose cannons. You're out of control. And we're like, no, Firestone, you're too by the book. You've forgotten what it's like out there. And that's why I love the show. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. MaximumFun.org.
2: Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.